Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. And welcome to another quarantine episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am uh, assistant to the GM. I am a rebuild enthusiast. And I'm Hernie Ernie. Ernie Ernie, bringing the party today. Oh, boy. Yes. We- Listen to the life we have in our voices. Party. <laughs> it is party time. It's like uh, time is melting to get together for everyone. But this morning when we planned what time specifically we'd be recording to now, um, it feels like a whole separate day. I haven't done much. Did some yard work. It's just day. Yeah. Basically, I do work day one to five, and then I do not work day one to two, and then I just continue onwards. Doesn't matter the day, the month, the year. This is the it. Ne- the new um, this is real tweet that I saw that that's a whole mood right now is um, I realized that if you boil my life down, I'm doing two things, eating and waiting to eat. And it's... <laughs> It's not even yes. like a I'm obsessed with food thing. It's just like I was like, well, that's the only thing I have to do right now. So I go from breakfast to lunch yeah, to dinner. I've done, I've done that transition a few times. I've done a late breakfast at like 1030 a few times, 1030 or 11. So I have something small and then immediately follow it up with lunch at 1230. So you know, gaming the system that way. Yeah, just, I got I got nothing to look forward to right now. Just working. Actually, that's a lie. My hitting net net is supposed to be here Tuesday, mm. so I may never show up to a podcast again. Could you uh, text us your address? Uh, Brad and I are going to scout out your front porch and um, definitely not steal your packages. I hope not. I Can really you? hope not. That's the only thing I'm lo- have look to look forward to right now with my life. I feel like being a porch pirate wouldn't be too difficult. Honestly, just you just got to be quick. Yeah, you, you got to be fast and... Um, Doesn't even matter to, if they see you. Try not to get caught on camera. That's it. Yeah, wear a mask. Um, despite the deadness in our voices, we actually have a, a good amount of content on this episode of the podcast. Um, a lot to talk about. Do you guys yeah, know I don't know what's is? up with you guys. I actually did prep work for this episode. I'm ready to go. And that has nothing to do with the fact that I already spent a couple hours writing out an article for our website today. Uh, I did prep work too, Brad. It doesn't mean I'm invigorated. Yeah, I did too. No, you didn't. Oh, no. Look how believable his face is. Actually, speaking of the way we look, um, Evan, our, our video technician, so last episode went off without a hitch with the recording, but Evan neglected to tell us, Brad, that uh, with the bars that we have on the top and the bottom of the screen, we both look like small children, like peeking over a, <laughs> a countertop. Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> you look like you're trying to get your first drink from the bar. So is this is this a good height for my head right now? Yes, that is oh, good. Okay. I'll um, I don't particularly care. So if this works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm not moving because I'm comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the if the YouTube all they can see is just like my nose and awful porn stash, so be it. That's what they get. Brad is our resident boomer. Calls it the YouTube. The YouTube. Well, it is a series of tubes, is it not? <sighs> That's right. Fifteen year old callback joke. Where <laughs> do you guys know what today is in terms of hockey? Um, not hockey. The one year anniversary 
of Steve Eisman returning as GM of the Detroit. Oh Rams. yeah, it's the nineteenth. It's the nineteenth. And I tomorrow, re- at one point, it's going to be four twenty, four twenty. So, oh. do we even get to? It's not. Doesn't no, the of whole course world? We don't get to. I mean, if you have a supply in your house, by all means, but. Um, I want to recount a little bit what happened on that day because some listeners might not know. Um, they might have started listening later or missed that episode. But um, on four eighteen, so April eighteenth of twenty nineteen, Brad, you and I both had the most <sighs> stressful eleven p.m. of our lives. Yeah, yeah. We we both had the news in our hands of what was going to happen the next day, and no one else had broken it yet. And like literally nobody, there wasn't even a rumor from a crappy offshoot rumor site. There was nothing. TSN, Sportsnet, Fox Sports Detroit, any of the outlets, nothing. And uh, Brad and I both had the, the info and um, we were just working hard to get like the second confirmation that we needed to put it out there. And uh, ultimately we could not find what we felt was necessary to corroborate because that would have been big news and it was in the end, but that would have been like uh, a lot of attention and focus. And we're like, we can't stake our entire reputation on this without knowing 100%. It was like 98, but in all, in all fairness and in all, you know, I don't know, credibility. We were just looking to to be 100% certain. And we said, well, if we can't be 100% certain, we can't go with it. And we talked to anyone who we knew who might be in the know. And they were all like, I have heard nothing about that. And we were like, all right, let's sit on it. And I went to bed and I was like, I know it. I know I'm going to wake up to this news. Lo and behold, I get up at 6 a.m. What's out there? Steve Eisman is coming home. I know it went out at like five in the morning. Even if it went out at like eight in the morning we could have just come over the top with our bullshit yeah 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 we can can confirm from our sources we can absolutely confirm this it was no it was five in the morning nobody had a chance <laughs> we were just done we Who just was it? missed it was it craig button that got it out there first i think uh i, th- I think it was gordon miller if i'm not mistaken miller? Yeah. yeah and that's the thing like with with that kind of news it was only fresh for so long by the time we reached 2 a.m., 10 different people probably had it. Anyways, that's not the point of it. Uh, April 19th was a ride. I was driving three hours, and I actually stopped half the way. I, I left for my destination about four hours later than I should have because of the news and just keeping up with um, Twitter and everything. And then uh, I left, and then on halfway through my way home, uh, halfway on my way home, I uh, pulled over and went to a random Starbucks to sit and listen to the press conference and uh, watch my laptop and, and tweet with that as well. And then I think listeners had to wait until the f- that Sunday. So I think that was a Saturday and they had to wait another day for the episode. But that was just like a, a not so crazy day. It was fun. We were happy. It was fun. It was legitimate happy times. That was probably the happiest that I've been as a Red Wings fan since we've started the podcast. 2018 draft comes close. We were pretty over the moon that day. Yeah, I was I was pretty drunk when we drafted Zadina. I was at a wedding, so so that only uh, ups the happiness factor. Well, that's the thing. I don't know how much of it was the uh, <laughs> was the open bar and how much of it was Zadina, but I'd like to think they complimented each other. Well, Valeno those two didn't hurt. No, Valeno definitely didn't hurt. Those two definitely are the best two days 
since we started this podcast and they both have come within the last two years we're waiting to add the third head to that monster uh waiting yeah lafrenier lafrenier would be the king of the moments that's the middle head that's the big one we need if we have if we have to watch a draft lottery remotely i'll be so sad hey ryan guess what? what what we're gonna have to watch a draft lottery remotely I hope they. I hope your uh, shipment gets held up at the Canada Post, and you can see in the tracking that it's like 500 meters away from you, and they don't deliver it for four extra days. If I know anything about Canada Post, that's highly likely. Yeah, uh, actually, it's happened to me a couple of times. Uh, no, you're right, Evan. It's probably it probably is going to happen that way. And I was just like so excited for us to be in the room watching on the TV, waiting to either be like incredibly disappointed or actually jump through the window out of excitement. Or actually maybe jump out of the window out of disappointment. We would have been out the window no matter what. Somebody's jumping. Somebody's jumping. I have discovered one positive, though, to doing a draft lottery remotely and during a quarantine. Um, Because I don't have anywhere to drive, I can day drink before the draft lottery so that by the time the actual drawing rolls around, I won't feel anything. There will be no anxiety, no depression no no happiness no joy i'll be passed out oh yeah we've been trying to get you to uh, do a drunk episode for a while but you keep saying i have kids and it's 3 a.m stop calling me so it's been a little bit difficult so maybe now this is a silver lining out of the quarantine we can finally get drunk brad and we can maybe even do like a drunk patreon episode i don't know we're gonna need to although my my supplies are running very low at the moment, because I've been doing a lot of barbecuing during the quarantine, and anytime I bust out the barbecue, I can't barbecue and not have a beer, so I'm almost out of beer. We have a kegerator in our basement. The CO2 tank has run out, and it's uh, you can't get that filled right now. That's not an essential service, which is... Ah, uh, man. It's, oh, I had a similar problem, but not with alcohol. I always keep two propane tanks for the barbecue so that like if one runs out, just throw the backup one in and then get the next one filled the next day. Obviously can't get them filled right now either. And I had my barbecue on for three minutes this year before the first one ran out. <laughs> You're not going to go to Costco to get it filled? I might, but I don't know if it's worth the risk at this point. I uh, Funny story. I've been a little bit uneasy about going like to Costco because we've been doing like... Uh, click and collect groceries where we just like order ahead of time and they bring it to the car yeah you only got to order 10 days ahead uh, yeah yeah which is jarring we actually used that before the quarantine because we both are lazy um i have children yeah and so we uh we've been doing that but i was like there's some things we need from costco it's impossible to find at the grocery store right now whether you order ahead or not and i was like i don't love the idea of going we're in our basement uh, working on some stuff and what do i see in our list or in our pile of materials for the renovations two n95 masks <laughs> and i was like amazing thank you popped one of those on my face when i were to i went to costco this morning probably still contracted something uh but i got toilet paper i got paper towels i got flour they only sold it in that 20 kilogram bag so we're gonna be doing a lot of baking drop yeah, you guys I'll, off some stuff if you want to just send some of the baking over to me i'll Leave it on the porch. I'll take care of it. We'll be fine. a reason to leave the house. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, uh, anyhow, yeah. The, back to Eiserman. Well, 
Welcome to the quarantine, the most mundane opening in the history of the Wing Wheel podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, very quickly, I, I want to go over Eisman's first year. And I know this is something that some people have been doing. Um, I don't know if our opinions are going to vary too much from what you've seen, but I, I think it's important to look back and talk about what Eisman has done uh, as a GM, especially in this first year. Now, uh, this is something I want to preface with. Um, kind of a byline that we've been saying from the start, which is that uh, Eisman hasn't been able to do a lot. And that's to be expected because this team is kind of locked up in what it's able to do um, for a few different reasons. One being that it's not a competitive team. So there's no point that rules out half the possible moves, which are try to improve the team with like players that are good now. Um, that and the, the moves that would make it better means moving bad contracts, which uh, the team has a few notable ones. It's starting to shed itself of them, but it has a few notable ones still. Um, and those ones are near impossible to move. So um, with that and a no superstar, like game breaking talent and a pipeline that was doing a little bit better, but still relatively dry. Eisman walked into a much worse situation than what he did when he went over to uh, Tampa Bay some like seven years ago. I always forget the number, seven or eight years ago. Um, it's not the same situation where he had that kind of core. He had Stamkos and everything. It's not, it's a much tougher ask. Um, and you might say, well, you're kind of just setting him up, self up to look good no matter what. And the reality is like, yeah, <laughs> It's going to be hard to mess up your first year when you can't do much. So with that said, um, I don't know. I think you guys both agree unless we have some dissenting opinions, which I'd be surprised by. I mean, he's been fine. Um, Like if you break it down bit by bit, free agency was good because he didn't overspend on any money. He got some roster fillers for cheap contracts and basically no term in Philpola and Nemeth and Pickard. Cool. That's a win. Um, out of well, the, we're gonna we're gonna go through this step by step. We're gonna go. Through okay, it. yeah, yeah. yeah, o- yeah. Overall, it's been fine. I wouldn't yeah. say it's been spectacular. I wouldn't say it's been bad. It's he hasn't done much. He's he's done a lot, but a lot of essentially nothing transactions. He's been um, working in the margins. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, my overall grade would be like a, a somewhere between a B minus and a B plus. We'll just give him a B. Again, because he hasn't had that home run yet um, in terms of getting a Lafreniere or, God forbid, a big trade that lands you a superstar. Not likely to happen, but because the reality of it is until Eisenman lands a superstar, this team is going to struggle. Um, so I don't know if you can even give him an A until that happens, whether that's this year's draft lottery, next year's. Um, one of our guys just inexplicably explodes like Zadina puts up 35 or 40 this year great not betting on it um but yeah it's been i think fine is the appropriate word here that's basically all you can really expect from him given the cards he has and nobody wants to trade for your cards it's all you can do so you know like ryan said working in the margins and sign trying to set the table for future success yeah like i think a b is a fair assessment um and i think it's also fair to say it would be harder to get higher than that without something like anomalous happening like um chirelli was still gm of the oilers and you found a way to snake taylor hall from him if taylor hall was still on the oilers or something stupid like that um essentially yeah like evan said 
coming into the situation that Steve Eisman did, B is essentially your ceiling. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not much you can do. So we'll go through uh, piece by piece and just talk about the deals. Um, first one, we'll talk about the signings. So um, Valtteri Filippula to fill in as the two three center for Detroit, uh, two year, three million dollar a year cap hit. Yeah, fine. Guy fills roster spot. Great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, whenever there's focus on Phil Pla, I kind of laugh. And it's like, yeah, you're you're right about everything you're saying, but who else did you want them to take? Like his cap hit doesn't matter because they have a world of cap space. It's a two year deal, so it's done in the blink of an eye. Um, and there was no one else to play that position. Rasmussen needed the year, and we don't know if he's going to be a center when he comes up. And there's still like behind Larkin. Who can confidently play center? So that was that deal was okay. Like, yeah, whatever. He wasn't phenomenal for Detroit, but I would hardly say he was the worst player. Um, and then you have Patrick Nemeth at a two-year same deal uh, exactly. And I, I, I like the Patrick Nemeth signing. I think he was um, good for what he was asked to do last year, which was provide some stability on defense, um, which is a difficult thing to do if you're playing for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, not a lot of strong defensive players, especially within their defensive core. And with DeKaiser first rebounding and then going out, Nemeth very quickly became the most effective defensive defenseman on Detroit. Didn't provide virtually anything in terms of offense, but that's not what he was asked to do. So I would say like that's another fine signing, if not a good one. Like I'm happy with Nemeth on this team right now. Yeah. He's he the- plays D, he doesn't score you don't notice massive mistakes okay you might actually even want to re-sign him after next year so that's a plus he does what he does very well if we're looking at a version of the red wings with a strong defensive core in two or three years i would be happy with nemeth as a third pairing guy to have that kind of stability there yeah absolutely he's he's we've used we stole the term from steve and used it a lot competent bum yep He's a uh, guy that fills spot and doesn't screw it up. And then the uh, two-year deal for Calvin Pickard has been bleh. He was supposed to be more or less coverage for Howard and Bernier if and when one of them went down. And when that happened, he didn't really do much in terms of NHL performance. So um, he's fine in the AHL for now. Um, I, not really... Not a Neil mover. Not a great signing, but does it it affects the world zero. It was a necessary signing because going into the season, Grand Rapids didn't have a goalie. The one Grand Rapids goalie we knew of before Pickard was Philip Larson, an often injured pro- prospect who had never played a day of professional hockey. So, mm. yeah, they needed someone, anyone. And, and Pickard came in, I think, what, just above league minimum for a cap hit? Two yeah. years? It's fine. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the trades, which was something that um, was pretty exciting, um, mostly because they happened after 1130 at night. Um, the first one was acquiring former uh, player when he was GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sorry. When he was GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, this was one of his former players, Adam Ernie, um, in exchange for a fourth round pick. Yeah, like Adam Ernie's a very, uh, very competent defender, one of the best defensive forwards for the Red Wings last year. Um, we speculated 
because Adam Ernie like talked about, you know, he didn't really have a big, big role in Tampa Bay and he felt like he had another gear in terms of offense. And we speculated and thought that could be a thing and that could be like a really good boon for Detroit. Um, that, yeah, that was not the case. The defense, great. Yeah. hundred percent. The offense, not there. Hindsight 2020 would, if we had a do over on that trade, would we make that trade again? No, probably not. I mean, you keep the fourth round pick, you want the extra lottery ball just in case you hit on it. But at the time it was it was fine. You get you get an NHL player for a fourth round pick. Fine. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, if Eiserman wasn't his former GM, it'd be a little bit more of a head scratcher. Clearly Eiserman thought that there was something in his game that could translate to some offense, but it hasn't happened, so how many times you get a NHL player out of your fourth round pick? Not very yeah. often. So it's whatever. And uh, for a lot of these moves, like you're going to get the same kind of comments. And I think that really points towards Eisenman, like really leaning into, leaning into the tank this year. He wasn't looking for hidden gems every time. He was looking for warm bodies who could fill in the lineup. Um, he wanted the team to be able to play this year, but he did not want them to win very obviously. So in in having in running with the tank you need to put out a team that can reasonably go out there and play hockey but is not going to come close to coming anywhere besides 31st and he was successful in that and I, I think ernie fit into that equation you don't look at the ernie trade and saying he'll you don't look at the ernie trade and say oh he's paying for bad players obviously no you say he paid a fourth round pick for like evan said a guy who is an nhl player He's not going to blow your mind, but he'll play <laughs> he'll play hockey for you. Uh, he'll do a couple things well, and and he'll slot into your lineup for the year because you just need players playing. You're not going to sign anyone to a long-term deal. You don't have the pipeline developed enough to fill that in from within the organization, so just bring in a guy. Uh, the next trade was uh, acquiring defenseman Alex Biega from the Canucks for uh, prospect David Pope, who is a former fourth-round pick. Well, David Pope looks in all likelihood like he's going to be a bust after having finishing out his college career, playing all four years, dominating his last couple of years at Omaha, and then going into the Grand Rapids and being barely able to hang on to a AHL spot at age 24. Yeah, there was not anything coming from David Pope, and Alex Biega is competent bum. They already gave him an extension. He's a Fine six seven guy provides some energy, not a train wreck defensively. Again, provides basically nothing offensively, which is a theme with this team that drives me nuts. Through no fault of these players, do I want to knock these guys for having no offense? I get it. There's just some players like that, and you need them in your lineup because they come cheap. But anyways, yeah, Biega, fine. If we redo that trade, I probably still make that trade. No, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, like at the end of the year, too, Biega played so well that he earned himself an extension. Exactly. We're relatively speaking, yeah. Yeah, re- relatively speaking. Just have that like grayed out text before every word we say. Relatively speaking, welcome yeah. to the Winged Wheel Podcast. By Detroit Red Wings standards. <laughs> um, and then the uh, following trade is probably um, the biggest uh, knock against Eisenman since stepping uh, in as Red Wings GM, which was um, acquiring Brendan Perlini from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for former third-round pick from 2018, Alec Regula. I mean... When the trade was made, it made sense. Perlini has scored 20 goals in a season in the NHL before. Um, so you would have hoped to have get got, what, he had one or two goals this year? Yeah. Even on a team as catastrophically bad as 
Uh, this team, you would hope Perlini would get more than two. Um, redo the trade? Absolutely not. But I will still argue till I'm blue in the face that Perlini was never given a proper shot in Detroit. I've read articles from beat writers and other uh, media members saying, yeah, Perlini was given a chance in the top six and on the power play and, and it just didn't click. What? Did I miss those games? Did it, like I think he played three shifts on the second line and had like a week on the second power play unit. It, I don't know what you're talking about when you say he was given a fair shake. That dude spent 95% of his time on the third line or lower or healthy scratched and saw minimal power play time. So I think there's more there than what he's shown because when he first got to Detroit, he actually had a ton of chances. It was a, a running joke how snake bit he was. Like when Martin Jones robs you on an empty net, the way Martin Jones has played this year. Yeah, you you know you're cursed. Um, still, I didn't love giving up um, Regula for him at the time, and it looks even worse now. Um, and then Regula went on to have a, a really good year in the OHL. I still don't think he's going to be anything more than a bottom pairing defenseman in the NHL but still Perlini might not be an NHLer at this point so do you want the 20 year old potential bottom pair guy with some offensive upside or a guy who might be out of the league in two years I probably want the prospect at back at this point but I get it when he made the trade but yeah whatever it didn't didn't work yeah, I think we, well, I don't know what our collective thought was, but I think I defended the trade saying Regula probably will be nothing more than a 6-7 guy and Perlini was once a high-end prospect with clearly the ability to score and has some speed, but he's been just stuck with incompetent line mates, so he never really got the shake that he needed. I still probably wouldn't do the trade now that I I have hindsight in my favor, but um, yeah, it's just a kind of a bad situation all around. Yeah, there are times where Perlini, you know, looks snake bitten, and there are times where you're like, you just fired that right to the logo. Like, what? Where's the twenty goal score in here? So you have to wonder: was that twenty goals a product of who he was playing with? Is that just kind of hidden somewhere? Could it come out in a future season? And I think you can make the assessment that it probably wasn't the most phenomenal trade without writing off Perlini completely as an NHLer. Like he could have some rebound, but yeah, if you're the Red Wings, you're not hoping for a rebound sometime down the road. You were hoping kind of for um, a hidden gem, like we're about to talk about with our next deal. But yeah, it, it would have been better to have Regula. Um, was it a net positive? No, absolutely not. I, like I said, I think that's the biggest knock against Eisman. But if that's the biggest knock against your GM in a year, then that's a pretty okay year from your GM in my mind. Um, it's not a world mover. And if Regula ends up being a world mover, everyone would be shocked. Um, but you can fairly say, yeah, it would have been better to keep him in it, And that's completely fine. Uh, what would offset that now is the uh, trade of the year, which was offloading quintessential warm body, just a guy who you Often, if you don't follow the team, you wouldn't even know he played. And sometimes people who follow the team also didn't know who this guy was. Steve Eisman traded Jacob De La Rose to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for none other than Robbie Fabry. One for one. The new it was one for one meme. The, the beauty of this trade is you could take all the other assets uh, Eisman traded for all the other trades we just talked about. 
not actually get those players back and just trade all those assets straight up for Robbie Fabry. And if the year played out like it did, we're happy with that trade because Robbie Fabry looks like he could be a consistent second liner who puts up 40 to 50 points a year. And he got him for a guy who at the time of the trade, in my opinion, probably shouldn't have even been in the lineup. At best, he was a fourth line winger who was going to score one goal for the St. Louis Blues. Robbie Fabry scored more goals in his first two periods as a Red Wing than Jacob Delarose has scored as a Blue, period. And now that that deal happened was because St. Louis, obviously, is the defending Stanley Cup champion. That's going to be a pretty talented roster and a hard one to crack. Uh, Fabry had a rough start to his career. A lot of promise, but um, two different um, ACL surgeries. Um, and which very quickly derailed his, his development, um, affected his game for sure. His foot speed was never the same. Um, uh, but still, despite the injury risk, really effective, really talented player. And, and the Red Wings are still carrying that risk, of course. Um, Fabry's up for, a, uh, up as an RFA this year. Um, that said, if he's able to stay healthy, which he was for the most part with the Red Wings this year, incredibly effective, just like, one of the most exciting parts about watching the Red Wings this year. Yeah, and the the thing is too, I will I will argue there is no risk. Um if his knee explodes next year and he never plays another game, oh well, we got Jacob Delarose off waivers. From an asset management standpoint, Robbie Fabry cost us nothing. L- literally, cuz Jacob Delarose got claimed off waivers from Montreal. And then you turn Jacob Delarose into Robbie Fabry, that's a hell of a boon. Uh, next couple trades are pretty inconsequential. Vili Sarayarvi, who had um, essentially come and gone as a, a Red Wings defensive prospect in exchange uh, for goaltender Eric Comrie from Arizona. Eric Comrie, who was then lost on waivers after a few games just because of um, roster needs, and he was picked up by Winnipeg. So that was one that was very quickly gone, although... Not a lot lost unless you're a Grand Rapids Griffins fan. Yeah, at this point, not even worth analyzing. Uh, And then Oliver Kasky, who was brought over from Europe but uh, wanted more minutes um, and was then shipped to um, Carolina for defenseman Kyle Wood, who is not going to be an NHLer. This is another minor league deal. Cool. And then the trade deadline. Um, Conditional fourth for Mike Green. Great. He played six games with Edmonton, I believe. Um, and then two second-round picks and Sam Gagne for Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kuffner. Still think we could have done better, but if that was the market, that was the market. It's fine. Yeah, that one's still so fresh. I actually recommend you go back and listen to our post-trade deadline episodes. We had two episodes where we talked about that deal in detail. So um, you can go um, listen to those for some more detail about that. But yeah, that was like everything's coming in in the fine range. Like needle moves a little bit left into the eh territory with the um, the trade for uh, – we were just talking about like the Fabry? only bad. Oh yeah. No, no, not Fabry. The old, like the trade where he traded Regula for uh Perlini. Oh yeah. yeah. And then it moves pretty firmly to the right uh, of that meter where you say, yeah, this is a fantastic deal in the one for one trade for Fabry. Uh, waivers were mo- again, most of these are just like either warm body or AHL stuff. Cody Golubev, who is literally like the most, we just need a guy to play so we can keep our good players in Grand Rapids player ever picked up. Um, he was played a couple games and then was scratched, and then a great pickup 
in Dmitry Timoshov from Toronto around the deadline. I was going to say, don't you dare call Dmitry Timoshov a warm body. This guy's actually got potential. Whether or not he realizes it and and lives up to it, it's a whole other thing. But this guy absolutely has the toolkit to be a, a decent third-line winger in the NHL. And in his brief stint with the Red Wings before um, we got corona out of hockey, he looked good. Um, no points to show for it, but if he was playing on anything other than the fourth line with some competent line mates, I would have been pretty confident in saying he would have put some points up at least. Great puck handler, very aggressive, strong on the puck. Uh, skating needs some work, but don't we all? And yeah, you, I'm I'm optimistic for him. Like for the next thing we're doing where we're talking about our 2020, 2021 rosters, he's on the roster for me and I'm couple guys we've already talked about are not and he was a waiver pickup so i i thought that was a, a very i'm not gonna say sly but an underappreciated move this season he did steal sebastian sebastian Ajo's soul with that deke at the blue line against carolina in one of the last games before i think it was um, the very last down. game <laughs> yeah and uh additionally what's his deal like what's his contract Is i think he he's now? an rfa now Ah, that'll but be he's no longer waiver eligible, hence why we got him. So he's either gone or on the Red Wings next year. Right. Because apparently a few teams put a claim in on him, but because Detroit was dead last, we had first rights, which is why he's a Red Wing. So I think it's safe to assume short of a catastrophic training camp in preseason, he'll be on the team next fall, winter, maybe, hopefully. And now... uh that's all in terms of what Eisman has done. His next big test is what happens with the coaching. Like, obviously, the draft, but we don't know when that's going to happen. So, really, the next big test is what happens with the coaching situation. Oh, There's yes. F- my grade could swing very heavily based on that. There's a, a funny little um, clause here in Blashill's contract that makes this interesting, which is that um, there's a certain amount of days, I think like two weeks after the end of the season, where Detroit has the option to pick up the uh, last year of Blashill's contract. If not, they pay him out like $400,000, I think it is, or something like that, and he walks, and the Red Wings are on the hunt for a new head coach with guys like Lane Lambert and Gerard Gallant available. So... When is the end of the season? We don't know. That would technically have qualified as like the last day after the Stanley Cup was awarded. Um, but that's up in the air now. So um, the Red Wings don't really know when this when this could happen. The draft lottery in the draft could technically happen before that window is up. No one really understands what's going on right now. And, and so much of it is still uncertain. So Eisenman's next biggest tests are uncircled on his calendar because he doesn't know where they are. But they will very heavily um, influence the the impression in his uh, first year or second year performance, I should say. Um, this next draft class will be with his draft team. It's will it'll be with um, Chris Draper, not Tyler Wright, leading amateur scouting. It'll be with a lot of the scouts that he brought on, um, a lot of guys that he let go or, or went with Holland. So um, this is the year where every single move that Eisenman makes is his and solely his. Obviously, there's still things like. Um, Abdulkader's contract and Nielsen's contract and things like that that he can't shake quite yet, um, but the um, the fog of Holland or the Holland era is lifting a lot and it's not so thick anymore. Speaking of next year, let's very quickly talk about uh, what next year could bring. So we we will project 
what, what do we want to say? 13 forwards, seven defensemen, two goalies for the Red Wings for 2021? Well, you're allowed to carry three healthy scratches, right? So to be 14 and seven or 13 and eight, depending on what tickles your fancy, or 12, six, and three if you want to get real weird. Ugh. Or 13, six, and three if you want to get real weird. Let's go. Uh, we'll, we'll each do our, our own renditions of it. Or do we want to do a big one together? Nah, we'll do our own renditions because it'd be fun to see if they differ. All right. Uh, Brad, do you want to go first? You seem raring to go here. Yeah. Like I said, I actually did some prep work. So I've got, I've got a lineup in front of me. So what now I tried to do this as I would do it, but also keep it very much in the realm of realistic, knowing how the organization operates. So as much as I would love to have Valeno and Hiroshi and Rasmussen and Svechnikov and every single prospect in the in the lineup, I know it's not going to happen. So I tried to keep the guys coming up from Grand Rapids to a reasonable minimum. I think I had, what is it, one, two, three guys coming up from Grand Rapids. So I'm not, well, four if you count Cholosky. But yeah, so I if I'm building the lineup, I keep the MLB line together, line one. Chemistry is something that's very, very, very hard to build. And the Red Wings actually have probably a top 10 worthy first line in the NHL who single-handedly dragged them to some wins this year. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Second line. Again, I think this one's going to be pretty obvious given the state of the roster. I got Fabry, Philpola, and Zadina. As much as we'd love to throw a guy from Grand Rapids into that second line center spot, I don't think there's anybody ready. I think the only way that realistically changes is if Valeno sets the world on fire, like absolute fire during the preseason, or if the Red Wings pick second overall and land Quinton Byfield. And even then I'm not certain he doesn't go back to Sudbury. So I don't see the top six being jumbled from that just because the Red Wings don't have enough top six caliber players in their lineup. I would argue there's only five in that top six, but welcome to a rebuild. Uh, third line, Darren Helm. I don't like putting Michael Rasmussen at center, but the organization very much wants Rasmussen to be a center. So you put him at center with Darren Helm as the safety valve at left. And then I don't know if this will be a controversial opinion. I actually want to re-sign Sam Gagne to put him on a line like this to provide a young guy like Michael Rasmussen with some offensive help because God knows Darren Helm won't. So you get your safety valve defensive forward in helm and then you can have rasmussen learning center at the nhl level and then you have sam gagne to actually help him produce my fourth line would be timishov as we mentioned glenn denning at center and then svechnikov on the other wing because i uh, don't know if it's been talked about yet but evgeny svechnikov is no longer able to go down to uh grand rapids without going through waivers and a former first round pick if he goes through waivers, he's getting claimed. So they either lose him or keep him in Detroit, and you're not going to keep a, I don't know how old he is, 22, 23-year-old in Detroit, if you're not going to play him. So might as well put him on the fourth line there. My healthy scratches would be Franz Nielsen, Christopher N. If this team stays fully healthy and neither of those two play a single game this whole year, I'm fine with it. Defense, uh, we've talked about it, again, at length over the last few weeks trying to fill content. I, I think the top four is probably pretty well set. DeKaiser, Heronik, Nemeth, Sider. 
if you want to put Nemeth with Heronic instead, fine. But I don't think it makes a huge difference either way. Uh, bottom pair will go Chaloski and Biega, because sure. And then Bowie being your seventh guy to go in and out of the lineup as needed. Uh, I think if I had to guess, Hiroshi will be first recall on forward if needed. Uh, Lindstrom on defense. And then the goalies will be Jonathan Bernier and whatever cheap-ass veteran they pick up in free agency. I don't think Eisenman's going to do anything in free agency other than re-sign his RFAs, maybe bring Gagne back. As you can tell by my roster, I wouldn't even bother signing Ernie or Perlini because I, out of all the guys I have in my lineup, I don't want to pull any of them out to put those guys in unless you're going to pull N or Nielsen out, but A, you're not moving Nielsen's contract, and the Red Wings probably don't want to bury Abdelkader and Nielsen's contract in Grand Rapids. I think ownership can only stomach uh, $4 million in the minors instead of nine. Um, Yeah, and again, Adam Ernie scored in one game this season, and I think the same goes for Perlini. So they were great experiments. If they want to have success in their career, they probably need to go elsewhere anyway. So fly, little butterflies fly. Yeah, there's some givens here, like you said, that are pretty easy. Petruzzi, Larkin, Mantha, first line, that's not going to split up. Or if it does, it'll be um, a boomerang. It's just going to come back together later after enough kicking and screaming or or not scoring goals. Um, Fabry and Zadina are going to comfortably slot into the top six i do see some people saying fabry's not a top six player blah 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 he shouldn't be in the top six and to that i say yeah but on this team (laughs) (laughs) this team he spent a good chunk of last season on the first line (laughs) yeah rightfully so so um i understand and i respect the people who say yeah but theoretically this shouldn't be the case um and you're right and you should continue to scream from the rooftops until we're in a position where you actually have a real argument to make and until then all i can do is laugh you know the only way robbie fabry doesn't settle in on second line left wing this season is if Alexi Lafreniere slots in there instead. Yep. Um, and then centering those two, I have Phil Pula, I, I guess. They might make it Nielsen sometimes, although that's I think, <laughs> less and less likely. Um, <laughs> no. Nielsen's no. moving further down the lineup. Nielsen truly is like um, such a nice accent to Phil Pula if, if you're Valtteri Phil because you, you haven't been particularly good if you're Phil Pula, but Nielsen is just, he's viewed under the same lens and with his contract being worse and his play being worse, you're like, oh God, yeah, like Phil Pula is not that bad. Um, next line is, is tough to project. Like, I don't know, Timoshov, Rasmussen, Svechnikov. Like those are three uncertain players that will depend that line. If we do pick up the coaching option on Blashill will never exist. No. Could you ever see a reality where he puts three essentially rookies on the same line? No chance. Maybe a fourth line and they play six minutes. And honestly, like justified really justified yeah no even i wouldn't do that like i that's why i tried to even i tried to offset rasmussen with a couple of uh, veterans who can hold and tread water and then put two young guys on the bottom line with glendening who can help them tread water 
what I might do in that case, and this is another player I have, the next line, the line, I, I use these terms loosely. Um, and you might have noticed that, like, I, I hate talking like specific lines because what are they going to hold with this organization? Like three periods? At One most? injury like, in preseason and they're all gone. Yeah. Man, like a period where sometimes the Red Wings don't score for like 15 minutes and they switch lines and sometimes they do score and then they switch lines. Like lines don't exist on this team and they haven't for some time. So, well, it depends on who the coach is next year, which is the big wild card of all this because if it's Blash Hill, we know we're not going to see any one line for more than two, maybe three games. Honestly, as much as that sounds like sarcasm, that's literally how it was this season. Um, Other than the MLB line coming back, then getting split up, then coming back, then getting split up. Um, but if it's a new coach, like, uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, f- again, watching the, uh, Vegas Golden Knights as infrequently as we did, I noticed a lot of consistency in their lines. So maybe it changes if they bring a guy like that in. Lane Lambert, if he's the coach, I have no idea what he would do. So it's, no, it's literally as speculative, speculative as we could get. Um, and then the next three players I've listed are Glenn Denning. Uh, I'm, I agree with you, Brad. I would like to bring Sam Gagne back. That's, assuming the organization does and he does um and then darren helm um guys i have additionally um nielsen and then uh a player who is thought to be brought over from russia nothing has been confirmed and you might be wondering why we haven't talked about this yet because he just adds onto the pile of players that the red wings have supposedly signed but nothing has been sealed and written yet so his name is alexander kadakin um he's a 17 or 17th seventh round pick from 2014 yeah about a half a point per game player in the khl so not six five two eighteen he's a big boy yeah I'm not super concerned I'm gonna, one way or the other. I'm going to slot him in as the extra player there. Um, and if it's not him, it's Giovanni Smith. Um, the issue with looking ahead is I don't know what waiver eligibility is quite yet. And I haven't gone into the details of looking up who will be waiver eligible next year or not. But that would affect these things. So if you're saying you, you're leaving off a guy who's not at waiver eligible and uh, you have someone who can flip up and down. Yeah, you're probably right. And as we get closer to the season, we'll probably break it uh, down into that granular of a, in, uh, analysis. Giovanni uh, Smith no, is waiver exempt. For next yeah, year, so, too? Yep. Yeah, okay. so he can go down. Because, again, I put Nielsen as N and N as my two extras because I know they're going to be. Uh, if, it, if I had full autonomy of the team, they absolutely would not be. But, I mean... We know that you're not sending Helene St. James already said it's a strong likelihood that Abdelkader is going to Grand Rapids as he should, which is fine. I'm not going to pile on the guy. If Abdelkader wasn't going, Nielsen probably would. But you can't have that much dead cap in the AHL. You just can't. That's yeah. Ownership wouldn't allow it. And at least Nielsen. He was horrible last year, but I don't think he's that bad. So if he gets into a few games and shows that, hey, last year was an aberration. I'm not worth $5.25 million, but I can I can hold my own on like a fourth line or a third line with Glendening or Helm or whoever. Sure. Great. Awesome. We get some more length out of him. But yeah, I'm not. If it was up to me, I wouldn't bother. Uh, and then very quickly for defense, this is another one that's a little tricky. I have DeKaiser Heronik Nemeth Sider, I think same as most people. Um, I have Lindstrom in the lineup 
knowing that he very well might flip down because of waiver eligibility. Um, and then Chalosky with Biega as the extra. If Bowie's brought back, which I personally wouldn't love, but again, he has enough offensive output where you almost can't ignore it. He's just so bad at playing actual defense, but I digress. Um, then you might push someone like Lindstrom out. I think this year is, if you're pushing Chalosky down, Again, it's not ever over until it's over and defenseman takes so long, but you would hope that this is the year that he cracks the roster and stays. So that's kind of where I'm at. And for goaltenders, I have Jonathan Bernier and uh, Grice from the Islanders just for the hot take. Cool. Let's go with it. Back up free agent. I don't know, Evan, if you have anything terribly different. Uh, well, basically, the first two lines don't change. Bert, Larkin, Mantha, and Fabry, uh, Zadina, and Philpula. Um, third line doesn't matter. I have Timashov, Glendening, and Svechnikov. I don't even know if those pairs. That was my work. fourth line. Well, our fourth line, let me tell you, it's a uh, high offense, very dynamic three players. It's uh, Darren Helm, Nielsen, and poor guy Rasmussen. Oh. Just to get him into the lineup, so we'll probably be rattled about that. Set him for, set him up for success there. And then I have us bringing back Perlini because I don't think we give up on him yet. Um, with his best buddy, Christopher N, eating hot dogs with him. And then I have Hiroshi as the guy who we're, we're bringing up. I think he's waiver exempt, but I don't know. Um, on defense, the top four are the exact same. Hronik, DeKaiser, Nemeth, Sider. Then I've got Biega and Chalosky as well. Um, but I have a feeling that Bowie will be there instead of Chalosky, with Chalosky being the seventh guy. I just have a feeling that that's how they're going to roll it. Depends on the coach. Because yeah. th- to me, this is Chalosky's season. He can't he can't go down to Grand Rapids. He, he got sent down midway the last two seasons. He can't go down to Grand Rapids without shattering his confidence at this point, I would think, because he's shown well at the NHL level for extended periods of time already. So why wouldn't it happen now? He's bigger, stronger, older, been there, done that, had his development in Grand Rapids. He has to be up. He has to be. Yeah. So make or break for him. And then I've got Bernie and Howard for goalies. Nothing too crazy. I see us calling up Giovanni Smith when we can. But yeah, we're not lighting the world on fire, that's for sure. If if they bring back on in, this team stays healthy. My hottest of hot takes is they might not finish dead last. They could work their way up to 30th or 29th, I think. 29th. Whoa, Who are we better down. than? Uh, there's a couple teams. Um, if San Jose doesn't do something, they're free falling. Still don't love Ottawa. They're adding Lafreniere and uh, Byfield this year, though. So yeah, that's true. Uh, if John Gibson gets hurt early in the season, Anaheim could go off a cliff. But yeah, yeah, I I would still bet on thirty first because a my prediction predicates this team staying very healthy. That's not going to happen. Uh, we are usually one of the most injured teams in the league, uh, and also we're terrible. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it. The optimistic view would be like 29th. Like the MLB line stays together for a full season and stays healthy. They'll they'll steal us a fair share of games, 
uh, Sider's an upgrade from whoever the hell you want to say he's replacing on that defense. Um, if Bernier's even anywhere near as good as he was last year, he'll steal a couple games. And, you know, if Zadina doesn't get hurt and Fabry's going to be around for a full season, that second line will probably score a bunch of goals. I mean, combined, they'll probably be a minus 120, mm-hmm. but they'll Which score a lot, but they'll score a lot. So that'll be fun because you could, you could probably expect 15, 20 goals out of Fabry, 20 to 25 out of Zadina and Philpo will probably accidentally pass five or six into the net. So that's a, <laughs> it's not bad. If Mantha doesn't fight anyone, that'll be another 20 goals right there. Yeah. The yeah. the one thing where I am optimistic, again, health dependent, is if they bring back Gagne, if Rasmussen is up, um, their power plays could actually be effective this year. Because if you put Mr. Net Front Specialist, Michael Rasmussen, and for as down as we are on him for a ninth overall pick, He's still really damn good at what he's good at, which is net front specialist on the power play. With him sitting in front of Anthony Mantha shots all season, Larkin on that power play unit, you can put Heronic on the point on the first unit because you could have Cholosky on the second unit feeding Zadina with Bertuzzi in front on that unit. That gives you legitimately two units that can score. It won't That's be a as lot of cool. units. Yeah. Brad, Brad and his units, huh? Hashtag hockey porn. But because we, I, it was a running joke by the end of last season, just how completely and laughably inept the second power play unit was for the Red Wings. Like, who did we? We had Philpola and Nielsen on that unit at one point. Like, you gotta stop saying unit, man. <laughs> You've said unit a hundred times. Yeah, but it's they're called power play units. Oh man. Okay, uh, I'm very it's better than quick. calling it the PP crew. Oh, uh, is it though? I mean, depends on your comedic timing, but I'm going to not there. I'm going to flip us over to um, the our NHL draft profile before overtime here, uh, just for the sake of time um, on this. So as we figure out more about the year, again, the draft is going to inform us a lot about what next year's lineup is going to look like. Uh, we'll do another one of these, of course, but this is just a very quick preview. Yeah. Next one will probably be August, September ish. Yeah. So the, uh, NHL 2020 draft profile we have for today is for none other than Seth Jarvis um, from the Portland Winterhawks. So, Brad, do you want to take this one away? Yeah, sure. A guy that almost certainly won't be drafted by the Red Wings. He said, knocking on wood, knowing that, hey, we might take him fourth overall. Or maybe the NHL screws with the draft lottery and we're picking sixth again, which is actually possible, which is horrifying because if the season's canceled, who knows? Anyways, Seth Jarvis is a small skilled forward in the WHL who put up just, um, I think when I was writing my write-ups today for my article, I used the term cartoonish numbers in the WHL, something like 90, I want to say 98 points in 50-ish games as an undersized winger in the WHL, which is just incredible. Uh, skating, fantastic, really good on his edges, decent top end speed, uh, really good hands, really good passer and can actually score. I don't love his shot, but it's good enough for the way he plays. Um, he plays with a ton of pace, which I'm a huge fan of. That's one of my biggest things, uh, when examining, um, small, especially small skilled forwards and junior, can they play fast because they lose time and space when you move up in the ranks? And he does. He plays really, really fast and has the the skill and the vision to accompany it. 
Uh, this is one of those guys, if it was six foot one with his toolkits, a surefire top 10 pick. I project him somewhere towards the middle of the first round. Um, because again, you can't ignore the fact that I think he's 5'10 or 5'11 or something like that. Um, and not, not a poor skater, but definitely not a burner. So, um, yeah, a, a really, really intriguing prospect, a, a dark horse for me to, to slip into the top 10 possibly. Um, it wouldn't shock me if someone like Jarvis better than a Lundell or a Perfetti. Uh, obviously, you've, our patrons have seen my rankings. I don't like him better than those two, but it's not crazy to think a team might. Yeah, I, I, we've labeled or we've talked about guys where nothing really screams at you in terms of their skills or individual skills. Like nothing is elite or stands out too, too much, but they just kind of like, quote unquote, get it done. And uh, Seth Jarvis is a guy who gets it done. And that's not to understate what Brad said. He's quick. He's very creative. He's really offensively talented. Um, you know, he he plays with speed. He can think the game quickly. He, he can set up plays in um, basic ways or, or uh, show his like pretty good playmaking skills and be pretty creative with it. But nothing really stands out as, yeah, this guy's the best passer. This guy's the best shooter. This guy's the best skater. Uh, but he still has put up the numbers um, in the dub. So that, that's been really good to see from Seth Jarvis. And it's inspired a lot of people to have him pretty high on their rankings. Um, I've seen him, I think, as high as like a top 10 before, like just cracking the top 10. And I've seen him low 20s, um, even in the second round. So yeah, likely this won't be someone that Detroit will have the opportunity to look at. But if you want to label guys where it's like, yeah, this would be a monumental steal if they if he falls to 32, this would be it. Um, he'd very easily qualify in there. I would not make call that likely. I also wouldn't have called it likely that Joe Valeno fell to Detroit, though. I was just thinking that like my 10th ranked prospect we picked at 31 years. So you never know, which is why we're covering everybody. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but um, uh, we, I kind of randomed an order of how we'd cover prospects to get it. And based on assuming we're not doing the draft until September, we might almost be able to cover two and a half rounds worth of prospects oh, by the time it's all said and done. So uh, you will see us uh, really, really soon start diving into like mid to late second round uh, rated prospects. Well, we already did Jean-Luc Foody, so we've we've kind of hit that range but it we're covering everybody so we're hoping that we'll if get a guy it right like, yeah <laughs> we're not missing anybody but we're hoping if a guy like seth jarvis does fall or if he falls into the mid-20s he probably would be a good trade up target for detroit honestly yeah um so if something weird does happen and they land him you guys are fully aware of him and because we're probably going to be able to go so deep on our rankings when the red wings are making three second round picks hopefully they're all guys we've covered so that uh everybody listening kind of oh that guy yeah no i really like that guy great i'm happy yeah another the key thing the keyword that comes to me mind when i think of seth jarvis is his versatility he plays center he plays wing he plays power play he plays penalty kill and he's good at all of them that is a type of player that a team 20 to 30 won't hesitate to draft because they can put him anywhere in their roster and and probably get point production. So if he is, if if the Red Wings really want him in the draft, and he's hanging around at twenty, they're gonna have to trade up because I don't see him making it out of the first round or anywhere. I don't even see him outside the top twenty-five. Not not that they're the same player, but speaking of versatile player, power play PK five and five offense. Luke Glendening. 
Joe Valeno comes to mind again. So anything's possible. Uh, yeah. So that's, um, he's one where, yeah, you could comfortably slot him into. Yeah. If Detroit doesn't draft him, uh, first to fourth overall, which I certainly hope not, you can really, really hope for him with 32nd or maybe even a trade up and that would be a good get. Um, especially if he does play center in the NHL and like his skill set translates into it being an NHL center, that's a really good NHL center. So again, there's a lot of ifs and, and the probability of that is naturally low. It would be for anyone. Um, but, not a skill set to scoff at yeah i wouldn't bet on him being a center in the nhl though it's nice to have in the tool belt but not where i would project him based on his current skill set and i don't he's not even playing center in portland right now so all right we are going to head over to patreon or sorry overtime uh where we're going to start off with patreon um these supporters are what allow us to are who allow us to do this show especially through this quarantine so thank you all and as way of saying as our way of saying thank you we're going to be reading out your comments first and foremost uh mike lennox says um with eiserman having a full season under his belt under his belt in a scouting committee he's comfortable with do you think we see a stylistic change to the way we draft specifically the types of players we take beyond the first round um I hope so because I still haven't gotten over the scars of 2017 where uh, that that size themed draft that turns out uh, is shaping up to be an absolute disaster for how many picks the Red Wings had that year. Um, I I don't know. Iserman has there's rumors going around that Iserman has told his scouting team he does not and will not draft players who aren't air quotations, uh, competitors, guys who have uh, big, high compete, high motor, high energy, which does seem to hold up with last year's draft when you look at the likes of um, Cider, Tuomisto, uh, Master Simone, all known for um, their motors, their engine, their desire to win. It does concern me, though, because if they held that philosophy back in 2013, we wouldn't have Anthony Mantha. And I don't think there's anybody drafted after Mantha who would have be better than mantha at the moment so i hate when people put restrictions on drafting like that but it's only a rumor we don't know if it's true and if a guy like gundler hypothetically falls to pick 32 you'd be insane not to draft him but he has all those compete questions um but yeah stylistically i don't think so i think eisenman's just gonna strikes me as the best player available so if it's a small shifty forward or if it's a big power forward, or I don't think it's going to matter to him. I think he's just going to try and max out value on every pick in his mind to what the best value is. Uh, Kyle Sanders says, howdy, boys. It's your friendly neighborhood. Kyle here to ask the hard-hitting questions. What color is best for perfect pancake, lighter or darker? Lighter. Yeah, lighter, but like medium lighter. Like that nice golden color is is your sweet spot. But if you have to go a little over or under that, I'd prefer a little under. Don't you dare burn my pancakes. Uh, favorite season, and someone owes me a Patreon refund if Evan says the words summer and golf in the same sentence. <laughs> um, my favorite season is summer, but it has nothing to do with golf. I just, I, I'm, I hate the cold. I know I'm a hockey eat sleep and breathe hockey but we've perfected hockey indoors i have no more use for the cold so i i love summer i love barbecuing i love being outside just give me summer all the time what's your i'll take on? winter for snowboarding mm. 
Uh, he got around you. Uh, favorite podcast to listen to? Uh, 31 Thoughts. I'm a big fan of 99% Invisible. And I honestly don't have time for much more outside of that. Uh, yeah, it, it honestly depends on on the week. Um, for the big name podcasts, like the ones that everybody probably listens to, I like 31 Thoughts, Ray and Dregs. Um, the Too Many Men podcast that's relatively new with Allison, Sarah, and Shana is really good. For non-hockey podcast, um, I always keep my eye on stuff you should know because they have some really interesting topics come through every once in a while. So, but yeah, in a normal week, I'm I'm lucky if I can get through four or five. The rest of this comment is for some reason not showing up. So we're gonna go to Greg P. He says, "Hey boys, how's it going?" Uh, oh yeah, we forgot to talk about this. Uh, we were on the Wings for Breakfast with uh, Max and Prashanth on their latest episode. I think their latest episode uh, to do a mock draft, and that was part one of two of a little crossover series we're doing. So uh, go check that out to see how that mock draft went. Spoiler: Brad drafted a billion times. Uh, uh, yeah, I had the Red Wings in Ottawa, so I had all the picks. Um, yeah, and that was a fun episode to do. So it was cool to go in there with them. And, um, uh, as we have in the past, we'll have them back and, and do something similar down the road. Um, but this time with, uh, Evan being the resident trash talker. So I'm sure that'll be a little bit more brutal. Um, he goes on to say, uh, I assume Evan couldn't be bothered to record even more, probably too much driveway golf taking place. So naturally I'm sure that episode won't gain traction because what's a feature without the main voice of the show? <laughs> Agreed. On a real note, I uh, always appreciate the content, especially in these trying times. My one question as a newer listener, I'm curious who voiced your intro and outro, the mysterious fourth voice that's never credited. Can't wait for the next episode. Uh, it's a uh, artist that we uh, worked with who does voiceovers and stuff, and I'm terrible because I forget her name, but um, I'll look it up and I'll put it out there and credit her because I think she did a fantastic job. Um, she actually made our whole intro and outro, which is really cool of her. Uh, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins says, will somebody tell the bitch Carol Baskins to quit feeding me human remains? Also, Terry gave me indigestion. Thank you. Septic tank. Uh, Connor Jager says, Hey boys, long time. No comment with all the prospect and draft talk. It got me thinking if you can guarantee the Waynes get the first overall pick in one of the next three drafts, which would you choose and why? Uh, a 2022, a hundred, no, 2022. Give me Shane Ray. hundred out of a hundred times. Is he, he's two years from now, right? So 2020 is Lafreniere. Next year will probably be probably be Aturati. And then Shane Wright the year after that, yeah. Do you not Shane Wright this? just beat Connor McDavid's 15-year-old scoring stats in the OHL. Yeah, but... I'm not saying he's going to be better than Connor McDavid, but Shane Wright is probably got a strong chance to be the second best player in the NHL behind... Connor McDavid for a good long time. That's a lot to say about a guy who's not going to be drafted for two more years. I know it's, it's insane, but I mean, literally he's one of only a handful of players that get exceptional status for the OHL. And then he walked into the OHL and put up more points in his 15 year old season than Connor McDavid did. He uh, a real good. Joseph Delia says, Hey guys, I constantly think of questions to ask you throughout the week and then forget when it's time to ask. So, uh, you guys come here often. Okay. Bye. <laughs> uh, Joe Deppy says, uh, I've been watching a bunch of classic games and I decided I like hockey more with the two line pass rule. There aren't many hail Mary passes that result in icing all the time, which allows the game to flow better. Please tell me why I'm wrong. Also, can we all agree that the trap is always dumb and needs to be removed? Thanks for keeping the content going guys. It's made quarantining a bit more bearable. 
the trapezoid rule is stupid because it was put in place for because of one goaltender. Uh, you want more offense? Let the goalies handle the puck more. They're more likely to cough it up than a defenseman is. And when they cough it up, it's at the cost of an empty net. So, yeah, I hate the trapezoid rule. Um, the two-line pass, we as Red Wings fans will hate uh, the current system because our team uses it horribly. We just do the full-length dump and chase. Uh, good teams use that for extended passes to spring odd man rushes to come through the neutral zone with a ton of speed and it keeps the neutral zone from being clogged. So if you take our red wings colored glasses out of it, it it's better this way. Um, but it has to be properly utilized and the wings don't do that. Uh, Josh Terrell says, dub dub. I was wondering your guys' thought on Antonio Strange's uh, local kid who looks to be in the second round range currently. Thanks. Strange's is the right way to say it, right? Strange, uh, strangest. Yeah. It's more, it's not like strangers. It's more like a soft day. Yeah. Thoughts on him. Um, he's fine. I think I've got a third round ranking on him. Uh, he's got talent. Doesn't seem to ever fully put it together. And given the team he plays on, I don't know why, because he's had every opportunity. Um, anytime I see a guy with that many tools, but just never seems to string it together. It, it leaves me with question marks. Again, third round grade for me, still a good player, a guy who has a shot to turn into an NHL player, but I don't know if I'd hold my breath at this point. Something something needs to change for him for that to happen. Yeah, he's the he's the guy when they drafted him two years ago that I thought would be a first rounder, no doubt, and it just hasn't really been a thing for him. It, when I saw him skating when he was 16, I thought he was 19 years old. That's how good he was. Um so I guess if a team falls in love with him, take him in a late one of the later rounds. But um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing he hasn't become more and kind of what he should be. Uh, Garrett TV says hockey amigos finally caught up on the latest all Q and A Patreon exclusive. Really enjoyed it. Good option for a recurring format every couple of months. It was especially fun listening to all of you drop casual frick bombs the whole time after like after we lost to Tampa Bay in the playoffs shortly after this podcast started emphasis on the air quotes question, Brad, what the heck is that Deke slash practice device you, you mentioned buying from Mika on a recent episode? I think you sell it at your store. Also, I found toilet paper. So got that going for me. Cover your mouths. Let's go Red Wings. It's called a super Deeker. Stupid fun, stupidly addictive, way too expensive, but still probably worth it. Honestly. Uh, stay fresh onion bags of Fournier company. Oh, that's a list. Uh, says my friends, Carol Baskin did not kill her husband. He was obviously smuggling drugs to and from Costa Rica and rival drug smugglers captured and disposed of him. If she tells the truth, then she would legally lose any money she inherited from his death. She admitted that if her properties were to be, uh, more thoroughly searched, then she'd be screwed. What is she hiding that she can't get rid of more cartel money, which she continues to launder surprise. She paid to have him killed and has taken over laundry drug money for central and south america drug cartels oh man that took a twist also you got an answer wrong last week the office is obviously superior to parks and rec but we'll let that slide incorrect favorite doctor from doctor who i have never been a doctor who person who never never seen an episode uh favorite book cheap answer harry potter series Uh, you guys read i'll go with steve dangles book because it's the only one i've read in the last two years uh cicerelli holmstrom or tyler bertuzzi sorry what uh cirelli 
Cicerelli. Cicerelli, Holmstrom, or Bertuzzi? Yeah. In their prime or with the Red Wings? Uh, he just asked which one of the three. I mean, Cicerelli's a Hall of Famer, but if we're talking about what they did with Detroit, Holmstrom. Homer just because he's he was part of that core. Uh, favorite Nirvana song? I, I don't know if this is a cheap answer, but smells like teen spirit. That's the correct answer. I can't Spotify. even name another one. <laughs> Spotify, Apple, block. Amazon, or Tidal? Spotify, I guess. Cause I, I have Apple Music, but I admit Spotify is objectively better. I have Apple Music, and I don't overthink it. It's fine. Favorite Smash Bros. character? Mm, Samus? Well, I like Link. Link is fun. Like, how far back are we going? Can I, like, pick Star Fox? Yeah, hell yeah, you can. Uh, a prospect who doesn't skate well or a prospect who doesn't shoot well? A uh, prospect who doesn't shoot well. Yes. Mm, box mac and cheese sauce or making your own from scratch? Making your own from scratch. Yeah, you always want to make Every, your own. Each yeah. one has a time in its place. The, the real answer, box, because I don't have time to make <laughs> macaroni from scratch. <laughs> uh, best dish you make from scratch in your own kitchen? Ooh. Oh, man, I don't do anything complicated. I just... My my specialty is I just do a real good steak. Pizza, pizzas, like homemade pizzas on a pizza stone. You have a pizza stone? Hell yeah, I do. It's good. I haven't made anything do. super good lately, so I, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Ridiculously simple, but I do a pretty good chicken stir fry too. Yeah, I'm just going to rapid fire these. Favorite classic automobile? Yeah old ferraris i don't know 1963 stingray corvette oh there it is i'm gonna go with the old what is it 69 gto nice founders or bells uh i mean we've we've done stuff with founders so i have to i have to pick them by default i I only have half of the experience with half of those uh labat or molson labat they sponsor us yes 100 percent. they sponsored us yeah it's seasonal it's time They're for not, Molson to, to come in. <laughs> meanest team in the NHL. Meanest? Yeah. Uh, the Red Wings for what they do to their fans. Favorite episode of Family Guy? Oh, God. The first one. I don't remember much. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't watch Family Guy. I haven't watched Family Guy in at least 10 years. I, I can't remember much at all. After re-signing Burton Mantha, re-signing all of the rest of the RFAs or letting all of the rest of them walk? Uh, just resign them all and just yeah because i'm not letting fabry walk are you kidding me no rank by order in which they're inducted into the hall of fame Jeez, joseph osgood vernon cujo andy moog luongo barrasso hextall okay hold on uh, let go through them one at a time i'm gonna filter the ones i wouldn't even put in the hall of fame first osgood osgood no, no. vernon no cujo yes andy moog no luongo yes tom barrasso no. Ron Hextall. Mm, damn, that one's tough. I fear for no. my life, so I'll say yes. Pizza what? toppings. Oh, fuck. <laughs> do we even want to do Onions, chicken. Onions and chicken. Yeah, onions Those and chicken. Those are the only two toppings you're allowed on pizzas. <laughs> you get the only two we're not. allowed to talk about. <laughs> uh, best Rowan troll job. Uh, very obviously when he tricked me into thinking it was Terry. Yeah. Uh, yeah the one. That's the one I was for thinking. sure. 
Dancing Coffin, guys. Yes. Says, hello and happy first eyes anniversary to, to you all. Yes, even Brad. Uh, anyways, it was a hell of a few days for the Tampa Bay McNuggets last year when they were swept LOL out loud by the Cannon team. And then Eisman came home to Detroit. So that's why you're all, y'all are hearing that music now. And we're here. That's right. It's dancing coffin time for the Tampa Bay. No Eisman's feel free to dance in their graves as well. So did you tune into their Detroit Red Wings award on Twitter machine hosted by the, uh, inimitable at Helmeroids? I would have thought since you were the name sponsor of one award, you would have been more active, but I can only assume Brad was delirious that his favorite valuable player, Christopher, and won an award i was actually following along as best i could but i wasn't disposed at the time um he says hold on hold on i gotta defend myself here i'm i know it's a weird time but for the last few months i've been making an active attempt to not tweet just for the sake of tweeting if i send something out it's because i actually want people to read it think about it or laugh at something stupid i said not just oh cool oh great oh look at this I'm trying to not be that guy on Twitter because I hate those people on Twitter. Um, do, 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 too bad his other adopted son, Madison Bowie, couldn't win. So in light of uh, that here are nine end goals and Brad, ha- Brad has to keep three. Jokes, he hasn't scored nine goals or has he? I don't know. I didn't look it up. Jersey time. Remember the green Canada World, Ju- World Junior jerseys from like 2010 and the gold Team Canada Winnipeg Falcons jerseys? Yep. So it. So with that in mind, what teams could uh, go use a new color scheme but retain most of their jerseys design and integrity? Anaheim and LA are off the table because obviously they need to go back to jade and eggplant and yellow and purple. I mean, like, can we pick whatever color they want to go to? Yeah. Because I, I still think um, more teams need to incorporate some kind of purple because like those old, as you mentioned, LA yellow and purples were fire. I don't know why when I think of a team that could go for a color change and incorporate some purple, Florida comes to mind. Uh, yeah, that one is weird. Carolina can work in Hartford, the Hartford Whaler colors. Get I mean, I, more purple teams, more green teams, and I really don't care what teams go for it. Just do it. Just make it happen. Uh, Nashville should have more blue like they used to. Uh, Toronto should just change. permanently be the St. Pat's. Oh, hot take. I, I, Remember the the Patreon jersey episode? I'm not a fan of their jerseys. Make them all green. Get that nice center white bar with the St. Pat's logo. Love it. Be a top five jersey in the league if they did it. Washington or Buffalo could very easily revert to their black, white, red. Or, oh, Washington, their old copper blue. Yes. Those would be good. 100%. Remember to stay inside, wash your hands, and be respectful of others when you have to do when you do have to pop out to the shops, or you'll be hearing our infamous tune and seeing us. Hashtag Save Fresh Cheese Bags. Thank you, Dancing Coffin guys. Shay says, "Boys, help me settle a debate. If a team scores twice on a five-minute power play, are they considered to be two uh, two for two on the power play and clicking at one hundred percent, or it'd be two for one and two hundred percent?" Well wishes and thank you for keeping us going through this crazy time. I I think it's considered a. Um I think they just stay at 100%. So if you score one, it's 100. If you score five, it's 100%. I, I don't mm. think they swing it either way because, I mean, you can't have 500% on one power play, right? So I think that's just the way it works. If you score, it's 100%. If you don't, it's 0%. I, I think they just keep it simple. Uh, we have time for a couple of Reddit questions. Uh, Evan, what do you normally shoot and what's your favorite club in your bag? And also, what's the best shot you've hit so far? I already replied to that on Reddit, but... Uh, it all depends on the course and if i've played it before obviously if you have a home course it's easier to shoot better or track your scores 
it's very hard uh, to just walk up to a new cl- uh, course and try and shoot what you normally shoot unless it's really easy dho41 says hey guys listen to your two-round mock and i have some questions first shakir mukamadulin there seems to be some less than positive opinions of him in the comments on twitter and i was curious to know what he brings to the table as a late second round pick and why people aren't the biggest fans of him also uh, yeah go ahead yeah no i i know that his uh offensive upside seemed to diminish this season from where it was projected to be uh he's still a good defensive defenseman so it, it's kind of the anti pick i normally make uh honestly my mukamadulin pick when i made it was more because I didn't love who was still available. Um, so I just grabbed the best defenseman I still had on my board. Um, and there wasn't a lot of other great defensemen still available at that point. So he's, he's a project guy that, you know, can defend. And my reasoning there was, it was the third, second round pick. I hadn't picked a defenseman yet. And hopefully his offensive upside comes back. Uh, number two, every draft players get overlooked and elite players are found after first and second round. Um, are there any names like that that aren't consensus top 50 or top 60 prospects that you guys feel could be elite talents? Guys like Braden Pointer, Johnny Goudreau. Um, I, I think I actually did pick him for one of my teams in that mock draft. I see Zade Wisdom um, late third, fourth round in most mocks. I His trajectory, I, I really like him. Um Again, anybody you have rated outside of the second round is a hope and a prayer, and and you're saying it with the asterisk. This X, Y, and Z has to go right for this player for it to happen, but in this draft, that's the guy for me. I'm sure there's a few guys in Europe who I haven't seen that are, are better candidates for this, but given that I watch a lot of the OHL, that's the guy. I, I Those are the guys I tend to gravitate to for the late round gems, so I'll I'll say Zade Wisdom. Uh, Arrow Boy Tim says, Hey guys, I just started listening last year and I love the pod. Thanks to Awood40 on YouTube. I've been getting my Red Wings hockey fix mostly through hours of Datsuk highlights. Some of those moves still make me drop, drop, um, make my jaw drop. Can you all name some of your favorite Datsuk moments? Well, the first time we saw the classic Pavel Datsuk um, pull the th- string on the puck against Marty Turco and Dallas on that breakaway. The birth of the backhand toe drag. Love it. Ooh, um, love that move. I'm to try to pick like, cause everybody knows the obvious ones when he broke Couture's ankles, his backhand toe drags, his flip on Niemi. Um, given how ridiculous a pass it was and the c- circumstances when it happened, I'll go with his ridiculous through traffic backhand saucer pass that he put right on the tape game six. I want to say 2011 against San Jose. When Detroit was down three nothing, tied late in the third, and that was the winning goal to send it to a game seven after being down oh three. Like, mm. I mean, that's just quintessential Datsuk. Big play, high skill, perfect moment. For me, it's the playoff series against Arizona. Any game in that series, that's just quintessential Datsuk for me. And uh, time for one more. Does Rasmussen get the number three center job coming or this coming year, or do we continue to play wash up veterans like Philip Lynn Nielsen in that role? Um, I hope he gets a look at it. I probably yeah. wouldn't bet on it, but I'm hoping, and I think there's at least a reasonable chance it could happen. Let's see who the the coach is. Now, the, I know the Red Wings are trying really, really hard to make Rasmussen a center. I, I, I still hold my opinion. I think he's better on the wing. I would keep him on the wing. 
whatever. If they want him to be a center, they he can be a center. He's still a better option than anybody else we could throw in that third line center role right now. So sure, I would, but I wouldn't think Blashill would, and I don't know what a new coach would do. All right, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We'd like to thank um, all of our listeners. Um, thank you for supporting us, uh, and we're glad we can keep this going, especially through um, a time where we have no sports. So uh, thank you to our name-level sponsors, the Septic Tank of That Bitch, Carol Baskins, uh, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassam, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Layton, and Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, K. Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Uh, we are going to wrap it up for the night, and we will see you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.